The horizon is wide and the highway is calling once again. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, everyone, to Trip Talk. Glad to have you with us. Our folks at ScenicTrace.com, they know the Mississippi like nobody else. Man, do they know the Natchez Trace. They want to extend an invitation to you to come visit Adventure history and beauty all await you on the Natchez Trace Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I get to talk to somebody that I last spoke with in person just a couple of days ago. It was my first visit to Key West, Florida. Unbelievable. You know how I start the show by saying, yes, the highway is calling, but I mentioned that the horizon is wide at the outset. I don't think you can find a wider horizon than anywhere you look. Even big sky country doesn't have a horizon that outshines and outdoes Key West, Florida. What an extraordinary place. It was my first visit. It surely will not be my last. My guest today is known around town as Key West Rebecca. She's rather famous there, actually. A wonderful concierge chock full of information that is helpful to any tourist who wants to get the feel and reach down into the soul of Key West. By way of biography, Key West Rebecca first came to Key West in 1995 while on vacation. She loved it so much, she decided to stay. Spending a few years bouncing back and forth between the Key West area and St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, that was her lifestyle. But when Hurricane Irma came through and took her boat, she figured it was time to settle in the United States, and if she was going to live in America, Key West was as far north as Key West Rebecca was willing to go. And I welcome you to the show, Key West Rebecca. It was such a delight to meet you and spend several occasions talking to you as I learned about Key West for the first time. Hey, Gary. Uh, thanks for having me. Delighted that you are with us. I tell people even in Florida, it's interesting because I moved to Florida in 2011, and here I am in 2019 making my first trek to Key West. And other people will tell me, you know, I've never been. And they've been in Florida longer than myself as residents. And yet I've talked to others who will say, oh, Key West, I have been there, and it is my favorite spot in Florida. They may live 300, 400 miles away, but they can't wait for another visit to Key West. So who better to ask than yourself, Rebecca, about the magic that drew you there, the spirit and spirits of the place that make Key West unique as a travel destination? Well, Key West is a, is a beautiful place. It's definitely paradise. It's warm here almost all year long. But what, what makes people really fall in love with the place is the, the lifestyle, the, the, the freedom of the open-mindedness of people. Everybody's always really friendly and helps each other out, and it's just a very friendly, close-knit community. 
I found that out for myself. I remember when I w was staying at the the Fairfield, and I think there are three mm -hmm. in town, at least three, and that's when mm -hmm. I met you. And uh, my partner, Suzanne Mitchell, and I had plenty of questions about Key West as we were just trying to map out the trip in our heads once we were there. And you were so full of good information, even good places to eat, and you were kind enough to call ahead and secure a reservation for us. I thought, man, this is service. I definitely could get used to this. <laughs> But there was a sense that you communicated about the uniqueness of Key West, and you were absolutely right. You did not exaggerate one bit. People I would talk to, at the, and there were many places we went to, but at various destinations within Key West, I would find people who celebrated the individualism of Key West, almost under the shadow of, of the great spirit of Ernest Hemingway himself and the forefathers of Key West, I sense that there is in Key West a place you can find where you're free to be who you really are and nobody judges. That That is true. We, we don't judge here. We don't care what religion you are, what color your skin is. Uh, we accept people for who they are. I really got that. And, uh, you know, I think I even made some joke about was, OK, so what do you do? Are you going to cut loose tonight or something? You say, well, on Tuesdays, that's my wig day. I like to wear that just because I can. <laughs> and there's a sense that everybody everybody understands you just you're just doing you. Well, that that's true. Uh, several years ago, I was a, a pedicab driver, uh, the, the bicycles with the seats in the back. I, I was doing that for a living. And one day just on a whim, I just decided to, to put a, a wig on, and I, I just kind of went from there. And then the next day, I put on a pirate hat, and then the next day, I put on pirate boots, and I, just, I was just having fun with it. And I, I did very well with rides, but then uh, the next thing I know, I ended up on the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> real Good for you. I love that. That's great. Well, there you are. See, I mean, it, it's good to be noticed, not so good to be judged. And that's the spirit of exactly. Key West. Yes. There are so many places we can talk about, and we'll get to as many as we can in a short broadcast. But when people first get to Key West, is there a place or maybe are there two places where you would suggest if you're really going to get the soul of Key West and you're brand new to the place, here is what is best for newcomers. Do you kind of guide them in that way? I do, I do. If if you first come to Key West, what I suggest, if you only had one thing to do, I would suggest the sunset celebration. Uh, there's this place uh, on the west end of Key West, and it's called Mallory Square. And everybody gathers there at, at the end of the day um, to celebrate the sunset. And it started in the 80s when Jimmy Buffett discovered this place. And uh, he was living up, uh, up by Miami, and he heard of this place where people gather just to watch the sunset. And he said, if there's a place like that, I must go there and see it. So ever since he started doing that in the 80s, it just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, now there's literally thousands of people that gather every evening to celebrate the setting of the sun. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think everybody should do that. I absolutely am sorry that I was not there for the sunset, but I went to the square and I went to Mallory's Landing because I wanted to see where all of that happens. As close as I got to that, Rebecca, was when we were driving in and I watched the sun dip below the horizon, which was mm -hmm. magnificent in itself. But for the sake of the true celebration for people who know and love Key West, 
I've made a mental note that next time I'm there, and it won't be long between visits, I've got to go to Mallory's Landing, where there's this big open space where people can gather. You go through the gates of the market, and then there's a mm -hmm. clear place where people just spread out all over and enjoy the experience together before the party goes on all over again. It, it is, and, and the Sunset Celebration is just the beginning, because then everybody filters from Mallory Square onto Duval Street, where all the bars and restaurants are. But with the Sunset Celebration, it, there's more to it than just the sunset. There's a bunch of entertainers that show up every evening, local musicians, uh, local artists. Uh, there's one guy, that I think the most famous one there, he's called the Cat Man. He has a bunch of cats. And uh, he treats his cats very well, but he, 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 he taught them tricks, like how to jump through uh, fire hoops and, and walk tight ropes. And it's very interesting to see. I had no idea. No, I didn't see that. I'm sorry I missed that. That would really be something else. And when it comes to animals there, you know, I was first startled, but then I was just enchanted as Suzanne and I were walking toward a place that you recommended. It's called the Stoned Crab. Yes, that's the mm -hmm. name of it, the Stoned Crab. Excellent, excellent seafood there and not bad prime rib either. So we're walking yeah. there. We were across the road from it and trying to figure out how we were going to get across to it. And, and I passed some commercial plaza there and uh, something caught my eye just in the corner of my eye. And I looked to my right and lo and behold, there was this very large, obviously mature iguana. And it, it was yellowish, and it had that tail and that spine, and it's just looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I said, hold that pose, Suzanne, get your camera out and take a picture, which she did, and it was amazing. <laughs> and there was another one several feet away. I asked our server, lovely lady named Karen, if you ever go to the Stoned Crab in Key West, say hi to Karen. She's wonderful to work with. And she said... Other towns have squirrels. We have lizards. <laughs> and I, I had to laugh at that, but I saw the proof. How in the world did the iguana become so emblematic, along with roosters there in Key mm -hmm. West? Animals have their own special niche there. They, they do. Um, iguanas and roosters. There's a lot of iguanas on the island, um, and, and they get to be about five feet long. Now, iguanas... They, uh, they're naturally curious, and they can't see that well. But what they eat is a red flower called the hibiscus. And the funny thing is a lot of ladies will sit around by the pool, and they have their toes painted red. So the iguanas will come up and sniff their toe. They're perfectly harmless. They won't hurt you. But it kind of freaks out the ladies sometimes when they do that. I can well imagine. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's in, kind in of fact, funny to watch. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'd like to get that on video. Suzanne was uh, taking some laps in the pool where we were staying, and an iguana uh -huh. came over and, without any trepidation, uh, stuck its tongue down in the pool and got some a nice drink and then headed back to wherever it, it had come from there. But for a moment, Suzanne thought that that iguana was going to take a swim with her. I, I can see where the first time you encounter one of them, it kind of freaks you out. Oh, yeah, because a lot of people have never seen them before. But the iguanas, they, they, come, they walk around like they own the place. That and the chickens. That and the chickens. In fact, it's kind yeah. of an interesting story in itself. If you're driving there, just being humane, you wouldn't want to strike any of the wildlife anyway. But they mm -hmm. hold chickens in a very special 
way. It, it's near and dear to the heart of Key West as a municipality. Tell us a little bit of the story about how so many chickens got there and how they run so loose. Well, the the chickens, they, actually, that's a pretty uh, interesting story. The chickens aren't endemic to Key West. They they didn't come from here. They first came over with the Spanish settlers when, they, when the Spanish discovered the Florida Keys, and the Spanish used them as food. But uh, when they came over here, they let the chickens run free. But they didn't really become a, a large population until Hemingway came here in the 1920s. And Hemingway loved cockfighting. So he would go down to uh, uh, Cuba and bring back a bunch of chickens. But then eventually, chickens um, cockfighting became illegal. So everybody that had chickens in cages let the chickens run free. And then in 1980, somebody came down here from the Wildlife Federation and said, I declare the city of the island of Key West a bird sanctuary. So chickens are a bird. So that means chickens are a protected species in Key West. It is against the law to molest a chicken in Key West. And it's written like that in the law book. Well, I would certainly hope so. It's also against the law <laughs> to hit them. Uh, if, if you strike them with your car, I understand that there's a fairly stiff fine involved. They take it that seriously. Yes, yes. There's a $500 fine for harming a chicken. $500. Wow. Yes. This is part of the local culture. Through all the craziness of Key West, and I mean that in the best sense, you can have a crazy time there, there is a reverence for individuality and for all of life. I sensed that very strongly in the five days, four nights that I spent there. It, it is. Uh, Jimmy Buffett said it perfectly when he said, we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> Leave it to Jimmy Buffett. That's perfect. Rebecca, hold on just a moment here. I've got a little ad spot to read, and then we'll come back and talk more about Key West. Endless adventure awaits at Key West. And I'll tell you someplace else where if you're talking about the South and you want to make a trip down Dixie Way, then check out the scenic trace. Adventure, history, beauty, they all await you on the Natchez Trace Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your next trip at scenictrace.com. We are talking with Key West Rebecca and having a great time getting information about Key West. I hope everybody gets revved up for a trip down there. It is unlike any other travel destination. I've been to a lot of places, not worldwide, but certainly in North America. I have gone diagonally. I've gone north. I've headed south. And I've never been to a place like Key West. Can't wait to get back there. Rebecca, I wanted to bring in the looming specter, as it were, of the great Ernest Hemingway. He has a soul connection had to Key West, and Key West continues to return to reciprocate the love and admiration for that great man who, though he had his flaws and he had his challenges, achieved something in Key West that was stunning. I took the tour at the Hemingway House, and I'd love to get oh, more nice. insights about from you. I did go at your recommendation. I went, mm -hmm. and, and on that tour, I was told that 70%, 7-0, of his published literary output was written upstairs in his writer's studio right there on Key West. He fell in love with the place. 
He did, and uh, Ernest Hemingway did have his flaws, but uh, that's probably one of the reasons he likes it so much here is because we accept people for the way they are. Hemingway first came here in, in, uh, in the 1920s, and it's an accident that he was here in the first place because he was just supposed to uh, get it, come here to Key West and uh, get a car or a train and then head north. But, no, get a car, but the car wasn't ready, so he ended up getting stuck here. And once he was stuck here, he started hanging out in Key West, and he's like, you know what, I think I like this place. I think I'm going to stay here. So he built that house on Whitehead Street. And I read somewhere that when they stayed in Key West, when they first got there, it was a Model mm -hmm. A Ford that was late in arriving. And so yeah. they had to settle in because I believe his wife at the time was eight months pregnant. And while mm -hmm. he was writing, she was suffering through the impending birth of their child. And so I'm sure he was having a great time. But back before air conditioning, that must have been pretty rough on her. Yes, yes, it was. And um, one thing a lot of people don't know about Ernest Hemingway is that he was very superstitious. So when he was living here in Key West at his house on Whitehead Street, what he did was he went out and he got him. He found a, a cat that had a genetic mutation. And the cat had six, uh, six toes on its paw instead of the regular five toes. And he named the cat Snowball. And he had that cat because he thought a six-toed cat would bring him good luck. And now that their property is full of cats, and they're all descendants of the original Snowball that was Ernest Hemingway's cat when he lived here. And this is by design. There are 55 mm -hmm. cats there currently, by the way, and mm -hmm. I petted a few of them. And it's remarkable to me, though, it, I guess it stands to reason that the cats around there are so accustomed to the crowds moving through every day that they just accept you. They don't go out of their way. They're mainly just napping, but they let you mm -hmm. pet them. You're told not to pick them up. That is a rule. You mm -hmm. can't pick up any of the cats, but it is okay to pet them. And they seem to just take it in stride as, oh, here come more tourists. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're used to the, the tourists there and they don't mind. They're just used to being petted. They go inside, outside, and they're very well cared for. And there's a veterinarian assigned to the house mm -hmm. who actually looks out for these cats and makes sure that when they have a litter, that the lineage of that litter can be traced back to the original snowball. I think that's that amazing. It, well, I recommend it to, to, it's not even that expensive. I think it's about $14. They go, there might be a senior rate as well. And when you go there for the money, I mean, you're going to a place where greatness happened and you saw where this, uh, this wonderful man in all his complexity, not only was super productive, but where he took delight in his surroundings. There were so many mm -hmm. people as I recall, Rebecca, I think I read this on one of those kiosks that give you historical information, biographical data, that he was annoyed by all the gawkers, as he called them. So he got together. I think maybe he and some buddies had done some drinking, and they put mm -hmm. the bricks together rather haphazardly. But nevertheless, they built a wall that would stand to keep out a lot of the gawkers. And mm -hmm. that just helped him get back to his work, I think, you know. But the tours go on long past his passing. They're from people who just want to be in the presence of someone who could accomplish so much. Ernest Hemingway was a brilliant man. He uh, he did like his alcohol, like most people in the U.S. do. 
And if you look at the wall that goes around his house, the brick wall, you could you could uh, you could tell that uh, he was might have been slightly inebriated when he was building <laughs> it because you can see how it's crooked, and then it goes up, and then it goes down. It's not very straight. <laughs> No, and maybe that's part of the the unique charm of the Hemingway mm-hmm. house. And inside, 90% of the furniture someone will find, I mean, this is a can't miss when you go to Key West, you gotta go to the Hemingway house. 90% of the furniture was either furniture that he possessed or was a period piece like what he possessed. They wanted to preserve and to whatever extent necessary, recreate the atmosphere of his living quarters. And you can look at a dining room table where he and Mm -hmm. other greats of the day actually sat and dined. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to go through there. When you take a tour through the Hemingway house, you have a guide with you that takes you to each individual room and explains the significance of, of each room and, and the furniture that's in each room. And then they take you around back and show you the pool, and the pool is beautiful. It's actually the largest pool in Key West. I did not know that. He might have said that yeah. our tour guide was great. His name is Chris, mm-hmm. and he is well mm-hmm. known for conducting a wonderful tour. He may have said something about it being the only one. Being so near the sea, it kind of makes sense that if you're going to have a swimming pool, that would really be an unusual luxury in a place like Key West back in the day. Yes, but Ernest Hemingway did like the finer things in life. Yes, he definitely did. And I think, if I'm recalling correctly, the swimming pool today, people might chuckle, but back then, to spend $20,000 on a swimming pool was unheard of. You did what? Yeah. And and at first, when he discovered it, he'd been away while it was built. He was on his travels. And when he came back home to discover that, he was not pleased. (laughs) To say the least, there was a big argument. (laughs) <laughs> but his wife decided she wasn't pleased looking out at the garden and seeing a a boxing ring, which was put together because Hemingway was a boxer. He sparred very well, and he had one particular sparring partner who was a close friend of his. And so mm-hmm. he comes back, and he doesn't see the, the sparring ring, but he does see this huge swimming pool, and an argument ensued. But he wouldn't be Ernest Hemingway if he wasn't involved in, in these spectacular encounters, even with his own wife, and, and, you know, and made news accordingly, that's for sure. The boxing ring did cause a couple of arguments between him and his wife. But, but no uh, boxing. He, he, he loved boxing, and he loved fishing, and he loved drinking. And that's why he built his house uh, next to, uh, across the street from his house is the lighthouse, the only lighthouse on the island. And uh, legend says he built his house next to the lighthouse so he could find his way home from the bars at night. Seriously. Well, you know what? I could believe that. Having been there, I get it. And it's a gorgeous Mm -hmm. lighthouse, too. I mean, it's intact. I believe it's still functioning as a lighthouse, a working lighthouse. It is, yes. And uh, it's open to the public. You can go up to the top and see the whole entire island. Well, that's on my list for next time. One thing I did want to say uh, in the few minutes that we have left, Rebecca, I think that it would be wonderful if people knew how extensive the trolley tour is. If you want to do it in one fell swoop, taking the trolley is a great way to go in Key West. Thanks to you. You told us about it. We bought in right away, and I'm so glad we did. I sell a lot of trolley tickets. It's a great way to see the island because the trolley takes you around the whole entire island. And it's called a hop-on, hop-off trolley. So you can get off and, and see all the major attractions and then get back on and go to another location. 
And when you're on the trolley, it's narrated. The driver of the trolley, he's on a speaker system. So he's telling you all about the history of the islands and the different buildings that you're looking at. And most of them are pretty entertaining. They like to throw in their own jokes. Oh, let me give a shout out to Vinny. We got Vinny from Boston, and he oh, spends Vinny, a lot of the year. Lucky. Oh, my goodness. He is such a hoot, and he's such a friendly man as well, and he just keeps the jokes coming. I was so happy <laughs> for that because you get the narration, and you've got a mm-hmm. very clear view on both sides, and it's like riding an old trolley. It's mm-hmm. really enjoyable that way. It's powered with an engine, no horse drawn, but that's fine. And going mm-hmm. through town that way, he knew some of the history of every place we stopped, as you might expect, but he sprinkles in that humor in his personal observations as well. It's definitely worth the money, and we, we decided to use it for two days. So you can go for one day, or you can buy enough for two days to suit yourself. Yes, that, that's right. Yeah. Um... A lot of people use it as transportation because you get to see the whole island on it. And you can hop on, hop off all day long. So it's it's much easier than parking because sometimes parking is a bit of an issue. It's uh, The whole island from one end to the other is four miles long. And a lot of people like to come down here on vacation. So instead of worrying about parking, just use the trolley. You can see the whole island. That is great advice, too, because, as Rebecca just said, it is four miles long. They pack unbelievable activities and so much action into a little space. When you go there, you better like crowds, but if you want that energy of all these people celebrating life with you and nobody judging, as we've already said, Key West can't be beat. I did want to say that we're down to about one minute here, Rebecca, but please tell people how they can contact you. If, for example, they want to go on a sunset cruise, there's an open bar, they have appetizers, they have a buffet dinner. That's one of the big things people can do, so they need to contact you for that. How would they go about it? Uh, Yes, you can contact me for the sunset cruise, and the most popular trip on the island is called the Do-It-All, where you do jet skis, snorkeling, and parasailing all in one trip. Um, I'm more than, I always answer my phone when people call me. My number is 305-304-8910. I'm Key West Rebecca, and also I'd love for people to follow me on my Facebook page where I post my uh, fun-filled adventures of Key West every day, and that's Key West Rebecca on Facebook. Key West Rebecca on Facebook. She's also on yep. Instagram at Key am, West yep. Rebecca. And that number one more time. 305-304-8910. Wonderful. And that just scratches the surface, ladies and gentlemen. Key West Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to meet up with you again the next time I'm down your way. I look forward to having you in Key West again. Beautiful. I'm going to get there, too. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.